This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Or Leah Moody. How about that? She is back again this week taking your phone calls. Yeah, phone lines are already open, my friends. So feel free to call in with your employment law questions, and uh, we'll take them. No problem. 604-280-9898 is the way you do that. 604-280-9898, the way to call in. Lots to cover tonight in between our phone calls and some emails. We're going to talk about uh, things you need, an employment lawyer, when. When do those times arise? We'll get to that and talk about harassment as well, workplace harassment. So much to get through. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, by the way, is the email address. But the phone calls anytime from now over the next uh, 48 minutes or so, 604-280-9898. Let's get it happening. It's only six minutes after four. We've got a long time to go. So uh, buckle down and let's uh, let's pitter-patter. Employment Law Show is underway. Leah? my friend what's uh, what's going on for the week that was pal oh man lots i mean the fun <sighs> never really ends when employment law right now let <laughs> me it. tell you it is busy but you know it's it's good i'm i'm happy to be able to help people and and that is what ultimately what the show is about right this is the employment law show as you said at the top of the hour uh if this is your first time listening in you don't know what this show is about. You don't know what it, what employment law even encompasses. You know, it's about you. It is about you in your working relationship mm-hmm. as an employee or as an employer um, and your workplace rights. So if something has happened to you in the workplace, if you've been asked to sign a contract, if you've recently been given an offer letter or, of course, a termination letter, if you're yeah. being harassed or bullied, which is what we're going to talk about later, or even if you're just being asked to relocate or take on a different job, it's so important that you have an understanding of what your rights are so give us a call either on air in the next hour or off air and speak to me speak to any lawyer who can tell you definitively what your rights are what your entitlements are so first things first you know we do tackle Mm -hmm. the week that was just to give people an idea of you know files or situations that come across my desk uh, or in some cases important employment related stories that have made their way yep. uh, into the news so that you have a sense of the things that I deal with on a daily basis and maybe you'll hear something in what I say that says you know you causes you to think hey you know that sort of sounds familiar it either happened to me or it happened to my mom or my friend Joe and one of the big things that we're seeing right now unfortunately, um, is uh, bankruptcies um, right. or, and companies doing various things to, you know, uh, to save themselves. So there's bankruptcies, there's CCAA protection. And the thing that I wanted to talk about right off the hop are restructuring um, okay. or any sort of, you know, massive downsizing programs where employees are asked to consider taking voluntary buyout packages. Okay. okay, so I've been hearing about this a lot. You know, these companies yeah. may take a look at its business needs now and going forward into the future and then invite some of their employees to consider their own future with the company and the opportunity to essentially be bought out. You know, and considering how many employees might be affected by this, I thought it would be helpful to outline a couple of key facts with respect to these kinds of voluntary buyouts. Awesome. Because just just because it's voluntary, right, doesn't mean you have to take a steep discount on your entitlements. Uh, And if you're going to agree to be let go, um, if you're someone who's been looking to maybe make a move for a while and this is presenting as your best opportunity, at least make sure you're getting what you're entitled to because you are still entitled to your severance. And this is particularly critical here, right? When a company is putting potential packages 
in front of a bunch of its employees, it is extremely unlikely that they're going to make all of these individuals an offer that matches their full entitlements. For you sure. Know, those, those employees that are entitled to common law severance, and I would assume that that would be most of them, could be entitled to many months of severance and as much as 24 months of pay. Included in those months, of course, should be not just your pay, but also all of the components of your compensation package. So if you get benefits with your employer, you should get benefits through the severance period. So too with pension contributions, bonuses, commissions, all that good stuff, right? So please, before you sign anything, you go to severancepaycalculator.com even, right? That's, that's a great resource online to find out what you're entitled to or contact me directly. I'll review this package for you before the deadline and we can make sure that you're getting everything you're entitled to even if you are agreeing to a voluntary buyout. Again, the phone number to uh, call in is really easy, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. What else you got going on? Yeah, so I had, um, I had a gentleman uh, call me a couple of weeks ago um, and it reminded me of the importance of seeking legal advice as something is transpiring in the workplace, right? As it's happening in real time, Um, as soon as your spidey senses start tingling rather than waiting until everything comes to a head and then perhaps leaving yourself in a a position where there's nothing really that we can do. Or, you know, even if there is still something that we can do at that point, maybe waiting that long makes it more difficult to make our argument or to get a good and fair settlement on your behalf. So this particular individual worked for their employer for, I think, about 10 years. You know, first half of the employment relationship was pretty seamless. You know, uh, the no disciplinary events, no flare-ups, everyone got along fine, um, promoted. Uh, sometime in 2013, 2015, this employee raises a concern about unsafe working conditions and is told he has to do the job anyway. Uh, so the employee refuses to do the job and is written up for being insubordinate. Now, this particular incident five years ago is easy enough to address, right? You can't punish someone for refusing to do unsafe work. Uh, and to the extent that we can show that he raised reasonable concerns that he believed to be legitimate at the time, that disciplinary event won't count, basically. It won't even be worth the paper it's written on. However, it's what happened after this event, event that's actually yeah. pretty concerning. So it seems that once this employee raised this concern in the workplace, that the employer started to think of this employee as, uh, you know, like a problem employee. And, um, and I know that that's actually very common in many industries, particularly those that require some amount of physical labor. Employees who raise issues about safety in the workplace, which again, is entirely within their right to do, are yeah. labeled as not being team players, right? Or being whiners or being, yeah, or being more trouble than they're worth. And yeah. in some unfortunate cases, the employer starts to try to build a case against the employee to try to terminate them for cause. I am running a case exactly like this to trial on this exact issue. So it's quite common. And that was this case with this particular gentleman that called me a couple of weeks ago. His employer started writing him up for everything, right? Everything from, you know, speaking aggressively to failing to follow instructions, um, you know, really sort of vague things like attitude in the workplace without uh-huh. any sort of detail to it, uh, you know, and you know, you may hear this and you can think this is so transparent, right? This should be easy enough to get around. But the company has papered their file, right? They've been smart. They, They word their letters to him with the obvious help of an employment lawyer. They've warned him countless times that if his behavior didn't improve, he would be terminated for cause. 
And then he was, right? This man who's in his 60s was let go with no severance whatsoever, claiming that, uh, you know, the company was claiming that it had caused to terminate the employment relationship. And when I spoke to this guy, we went through the various warning letters. He had an explanation or additional context to add to every single letter that exonerated him or at least mitigated the behavior that was being disciplined. You know, it was clear, at least to me, after hearing what he had to say, that this was a witch hunt. The okay. problem is that he documented none of it. Yeah. Right. In fact, he told me that for the most part, he felt like there was nothing that he could do and that whenever he tried to explain the situation, you know, he was cut off or ignored and he pretty much just accepted that that was the way that he was being treated. Now, I mean, I don't think that that's the end of the story here. I think that, you know, termination for cause is a very high threshold. We've spoken about that a ton on this show yep. and we can still use his evidence in response to fight that. But, you know, he also hasn't done himself any favors. It's going to be a bit of an uphill battle. And, you know, I think that just even consider the optics, right? The company has years and years of letters showing complaints and warnings, and the employee has nothing. No responses, no version of his own events, you know, that were recorded contemporaneously with the incidents of discipline as they happened. Nothing that he has to combat the employer's written record, except for his word that he tried to defend himself but was dismissed. And, you know, again, this doesn't mean that he doesn't have a case, but it does make it a lot more difficult for him. You know, when it comes to cause, the employer does have the onus. They have the burden of showing that they had cause. But when you've got letter after letter warning an employee of the conduct, giving them an opportunity to improve, you know, it's more likely than not that the employer will be able to meet this burden in some respect. And then it's up to the employee to show mitigating circumstances or that the disciplinary no notes were, were unfair or reflective. And, you know, when it's somebody's word against a bunch of documentation, right? Lawyers and judges, they're always going to rely on what's in writing. So this, I just thought would be a really good lesson, just an opportunity. Don't wait until you're fired, right? Don't wait until things have already gone so far that, you know, we have to sort of do our best with what we have. And in this case, it's not a lot. As soon as you start to feel like your employer's out to get you, as soon as you start to feel like this is not going to turn out well for you, call a lawyer, call me. We can at least talk about a strategy. We can talk about a plan, ways to protect yourself and insulate yourself from any issues in the future. Well, we've said for so many years on this show that silence is the same as acceptance. So the first thing you got to do is just at least send a rebuttal. Say, I don't, I disagree with this because of this, this, and this reason. At least paper the file, have something, right? Then you got to, you know, it's not a he said, he said at the end yeah. of it. Exactly. And, you know, if you don't feel ideally, what I would tell people in this situation is write a rebuttal to your employer, ask for that it to be put in your personnel file, stapled to the disciplinary note um, yeah. and, and be on your way. But if yeah. nothing else, if you don't want to do that, at least write yourself your own notes, send yourself yeah. an email so that you have your version of events recorded at the same time that the employer is recording there. So it doesn't seem yeah. like you're trying to engage in revisionist history when you've lost your job. You need an employment lawyer when? We'll tackle that after first break, which we'll take right now. Give you some time to grab a phone, make that phone call. You want to go over any time to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's a great website, absolutely free and anonymous. But the number to call in now, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. Leah standing by to take all your calls. We'll continue. Employment Law Show on CKNW. And we're right back at it. Liam Moody is taking your calls and your questions and your email questions as well. 
The phone call 604-280-9898 is uh, what you want to use. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll try to get to some emails a little later on in the show, but right to it. You need an employment lawyer when? Well, you just gave a couple great examples off the uh, top of the show, Leah, but we'll uh, get down to a few more. This rounds out like the top eight or top nine that you've, uh, you've sent along to me. Number one is this. You've been let go, plain and simple. You need an employment lawyer when you've been let go. Yeah, and there's really no two ways about it, right? I mean, I don't know of any situation in which we don't offer free consultation for somebody who has been let go and they just want to know if they've been given the right severance. And when you pair that fact, the fact that, you know, you're not going to be out of pocket for speaking to a lawyer with the fact that 95% of severance packages I see are short of what somebody's entitled to. I mean, it just... It doesn't make any sense to not speak to an employment lawyer when you've been let go. Um, you know, misinformation in employment law is rampant. That is why I have a job. That is why we do this show. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, Google is helpful to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, it really, really isn't the full picture. I can tell you, if if Google was able to answer your questions for you, I simply wouldn't have the job that I have, and I wouldn't be as busy as I am. Uh, the fact of the matter is that most employers are trying to get the best possible deal for itself, right? Or sometimes, you know, they just, they don't even know what they're entitled yeah. to because that misinformation also impacts uh, employers as well, right? So it's really and truly nine times out of 10 and probably more, I the, the severance packages that I review are just shy of what they're entitled to sometimes by a little sometimes by a lot and you know it's not a one-size-fits-all solution either so you know i think a lot of people hesitate to contact a lawyer a because they think you know as soon as they call the taxi meter starts ticking um which is you know not true for for severance package consultations Right. But, you know, also that as soon as you contact a lawyer, it's like you put this this bulldog train on a set of tracks and you can't stop it all the way to trial. And it's going to result in this antagonistic battle that you're never going to get out of, you know, until two, three years later and you'll be one hundred thousand dollars in the hole. Right. And the fact of the matter is that not 80 percent of cases resolve without even having to go to court at all, without having to file a claim. So, you know, by that, I mean. A lot of it is just resolved by way of negotiation. I send the company a letter that this is what the the employee is entitled to. The company usually sends back some sort of counter. And then we negotiate until we get to a place where, you know, both people are slightly unhappy. That's usually how you know you've reached a good compromise and a good settlement, right? You're at a point where uh, there is, you know, some reduction to account for risk, but you ultimately have a much better severance package than when Mm -hmm. you walked in the door. So, you know, the key here is really don't sign anything until you've had it reviewed. Uh, Your entitlements are what they are and you taking some time to review it, to digest it and have your package looked at a lawyer won't change those entitlements. But once you accept it, once you sign it, there's nothing that you can do. Um, and it's important to know that if you do sign something, if you do just decide to, to you know go with it, you're probably leaving a significant amount of money on the table. And I just am very much of the view that right now in this sort of, we're, we're on the middle of a second wave. Some say that just the beginning of the second wave, we have no idea what the future holds. You've got to look after yourself.
You have to make sure that you are getting a severance package that covers you and covers your family to the greatest extent possible until you can find another job. So absolutely, when you have been let go, that is a no-brainer for me. You need an employment lawyer. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting when you say, you know, take the time to get it reviewed and do it and so on and so forth. And it, it just does not end up in court. Court's expensive. Employers don't like it. They don't need it. And they know, well, most, you know, savvy employers, ones that have decent HR, know they're shortchanging you. They're just they're just betting on the fact that nine out of ten times the person's going to accept it, thinking, well, they're the, they're the company. They must know. How would I know? I mean, this works out to be a little more than a week per year. I thought that was normal, which we know it yeah. isn't. But uh, yeah. they just figure, you know, the company knows best, so they sign it without calling you, and they uh, they really shouldn't. By the way, that number to get a hold of, uh, Lee, I should give it out to you, uh, to keep, 604-283-3123, 604-283-3123, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for the remainder of the show, as you know, 604-280-9898 is, uh, is what you want to use. Continuing on here, you need an employment lawyer when? Well, we just talked about bad performance reviews. You always got to make your own notes on that one. How about you? been given an employment agreement to sign look out look out oh yeah <laughs> that's i mean and i think that you have enough people who um are in this kind of situation that either think that they don't have a choice right they've been given a new employment agreement they feel that their job is on the line and so why would they need an employment lawyer right they're they're going to sign on the dotted line at the end of the day um so may as well but and i cannot stress this enough you don't have many, if any, employers putting a new employment agreement in front of you for mm -hmm. your benefit, right? Sure. Usually a new employment agreement during the employment relationship means that you're, the employer, your employer is trying to introduce some sort of new negative term to the employment relationship, often to limit their own liability, often to give them some sort of right. Many times it's a clause that severely curtails or limits your termination entitlements. I hate having that conversation with people. It is it, it hurts my heart when somebody has been working for you know 15 years and on year 15 signs a new contract that limits their termination entitlements are terminated you know a year later and then they only get eight weeks under the Employment Standards Act because of this employment yeah. agreement, right? And somebody in that circumstance, if they hadn't signed that contract, they would be entitled to you know 15 to 18 months. So. We are talking about a substantial difference, and these terms, believe it or not, are negotiable. You're not going to get them to remove it, but they are negotiable. Another big one that I'm seeing being introduced right now are contracts that allow your employer to lay you off indefinitely, lay you off in accordance with the Employment Standards Act, you know, anything to just sort of protect themselves in light of this, you know, second wave of COVID and the uncertainty with which, you know, we just don't know what the job market is going to sustain going forward over the fall and winter months. And so you have a lot of employers asking their employees to sign contracts that give them a lot more flexibility, right? The ability to put them on another layoff, uh, the ability to reduce your hours by half, to reduce your pay by however much they want, right? These are all things that are, are often in employment agreements, right? It sounds draconian. It sounds like there's no way my company, there's no way my employer would do that. But trust me, I see it all the time and you know to your earlier point about employers generally they are always going to be motivated by the bottom line right i have a lot of people say to me oh my employer you know treats us like a family you know or the converse my employer is always out to get everybody at the yeah. end of the day employers are motivated 
by money. They just are. It's just a fact. They're businesses, right? So when it comes to contracts, if they can limit their liability, they will. And when it comes to saving money in a court case, they are more likely to settle with you. So at the end of the day, keep in mind that employment agreements, they are negotiable. They should be negotiated. If they're being put in front of you, it is likely going to cost you money in the end. And you should absolutely speak to an employment lawyer if you've been given one to sign. And this is, a, even if it's a, a job off the beginning, obviously if it's mid-employment, that's a massive red flag. But even if you're just applying for a job, if there's things that are in that employment agreement before you sign it, you should, you generally have some leeway. I mean, especially if they've come to you and you're, you're part of a elimination process and they've worked down other potential employees and then you've made the shortlist and now you're the guy or girl they want. That should give you a little bit of uh, a breathing room and a little bit of clout to say, hey, this is this is all good. I'm looking really forward to this job, but there's just a couple things in here eh, that aren't sitting too well. I think you're okay to do that, no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that even in a market where you've got a high supply of employees, employees have a lot more power in that, in that situation than you might realize. Speak to anybody who has been part of the hiring process. Going through lots of interviews, getting to the point where you're ultimately going to make an offer, that is a certain amount of investment of time and resources on the part of the company that they don't want to just waste by restarting that process. So if they're making an offer to you, you better believe that you do have some leverage. And worst case scenario, they come back and they say, we aren't willing to budge on any of the terms that you asked, right? The, I have never seen a situation where they say, we're unwilling to budge on any of the terms that we, we you asked, and also we're going to look elsewhere, right? The job is off the table. So you have nothing to lose by trying to negotiate your, for yourself. Um, and that exactly, John, is true at the beginning of your job as well as halfway through. Let's take a short break, Leah. We'll get to, get to more of these. Uh, you need an employment lawyer when? Then we'll talk, uh, talk about harassment as well. You want to send along an email to chat help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can always go to the website, free, anonymous, tons of information called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And uh, the phone calls. We've got open phone lines. It's a quiet day, but feel free. There's still lots of time. It's only uh, 4.30 almost. 604-280-9898 would be the number. It's Employment Law Show. This is CKNW. And welcome back to the show. Yeah, 433, lots of time to go. You know the number, 604-280-9898. And to get a hold of Leah when we're not on air anytime, 604-283-3123. You need an employment lawyer when? We'll get back to that here in just a moment. But always, always, our callers have top priority on the show. Mike, first of all, thanks for standing by. How are you this afternoon? Oh, fine. How are you? Great. What's uh, what's on your mind? What's your question? When he, I was hired for a job for part-time, but they, they gave me a salary, which they claim a salary at the contract said agent, but they're paying me a salary, and they're not de taking deductions off of that. Am I an employee or not? Um, well, I mean, are you remitting taxes? No, they're they say I'm remitting taxes, but I, but they're they're giving me money. And now, usually when you're an self-employed, right. you know, I'm not self-employed because they're giving me money in upfront. Every two, every two weeks. Yeah, so how you're paid and how the taxes work are, is obviously a pretty important component to an assessment of whether or not you're an employee or, or a contractor. But there are so many more factors at play here. Um, so, you know, one of the one of the main things we look at is how much control the company has over your work, right? So, well, they tell me they, what to, basically tell me what what you know whom to call or whatever, and they ask for a company. A report being sent in every week, sales report. 
Okay. Um, and do they dictate like your hours of work? You said it's part time. Do they make yeah, sure they, they don't work? dictate the hours? No, they don't dictate the hours. No. Okay. Uh, what about the people that you speak to, or the rate of pay, or anything like that? Well, I speak to somebody on a regular basis every week. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of my employee or I'm not. I mean, not I'm not a I'm not self-employed. Let's put it that way. Well, let me tell you this. I mean, it's it's a very fact dependent analysis, right? So we need we would need to look at a bunch of things because the more control you, Mike, have over your work, the more likely you are to be a contractor. The more integrated you are with the company that you're working for, the more likely you are to be an employee. So those are the two main things that we look at. But I will say, you know, if this is the only company that you're working for, and you are dependent on them for the salary that you're getting, you could still be a contractor, Hello? but in that no, case, you would be... Are you, under terms of um, unemployment and all that, when you, if you are on unemployment, are you self-employed or are you, are you unemployed? Are you a con- you're still employed, right? You're not self-employed. You know, you're not, you know, they have a question or are you self, are you, are you self-employed? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be self-employed if they're giving me money, would I? Well, you might be. I mean, are you incorporated? No. Yeah. So I don't, I wouldn't say you're self-employed. I would say you're employed. Okay. Because I know where you have these people are trying to take advantage of me. They're just not de- deducting the, the wages. I mean, the, uh, the amount of money on, you know, it's a very small amount, but they're, Basically, doing directing and telling which one places to go and reports yeah. every week. So, I mean, it doesn't sound like something that I, they don't control the hours, but it's basically part time. So, you know. Well, this, but anyway. this is an important. This is an important issue to be alive to, right? Because not taxing you is fine, right? If you're a contractor, that's fine as long as somebody is remitting taxes. But yeah. a lot of times companies try to paint you as a contractor in order to escape the minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, right? So right. if they're trying to paint you as a contractor, they might say, okay, you don't get overtime, you don't get holiday pay, you don't, we don't care when you take a break because this is all you, Mike. This is, these are your decisions as a contractor. So these are also important considerations to to think of because if they are breaching any of your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act as an employee, you want to make sure that you are pursuing that accordingly. And of course, okay. if they let you go, you could be entitled to severance as well. I'm just saying if I'm for consideration when they say, you know, unemployment, whatever they their question or they say you're self-employed. I can't be self-employed because I'm, I'm getting money up front from them. I'm, I'm getting it um, every week or every two weeks small amount but basically they're giving it to me i'm not i'm not you know performing my have my own you know i don't i, I can't i you know what you know what i'm getting at it they're, they're con- i do yeah you don't if submit your hours if you're self-employed they don't give you any money it's all based on you know on sales and, and, and commissions but not based they wouldn't give you money in advance or up front you know on a weekly basis or they're giving you something yeah, if, if they're paying you regularly without you having to prove anything, without you having to sort of submit your hours or, you know... No, I just certain... submit reports hey. every week. Reports every week, that's all. Yeah, employee. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I don't I would not say that you should be checking off the self-employed box. Um, and I, like I said, I'd be alive to the fact that you are probably an employee and that, you know, in addition to everything else, you should uh, be getting your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act and, of course, uh, severance if you're let go. So keep that in mind uh, as things progress. 
Mike, appreciate your uh, appreciate your call and the time. If you want to reach out and clarify any more with uh, with Leah, you can do so. Here is that number 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123. But here and now to ask your questions just like Mike did, no problem, 604-280-9898. Get on the line, stand by, and we will get to you, 604-280-9898. That's an important one, too, because there's, you know, there's yeah. – employment contributions and Canada pension plan contributions and a lot of things that maybe an employer might be trying to skirt, but, uh, or maybe they don't know any better. They don't know any better. right? Yeah. Such an important issue. And one that again, we could dedicate an entire show to, um, it is so fact specific, so it is hard to sort of give general advice other than to say that, you know, one indicia like that, either, you know, whether you're taxed or not, doesn't make you a contractor or an employee, right? You have to right. look at the whole picture and keep yeah. in mind that it doesn't matter what the employer calls you. It doesn't even matter what you call yourself. What matters is how the working relationship actually exists in real life. That is how we determine who's an employee and who's a contractor. And you need an employment lawyer when? Back to this list as we uh, chip our way through it. This one is uh, this one's huge as well. There has been a change to the terms of your employment. Watch out for that one. I mean, huge at any time, but I mean, like especially right now. Um, A lot of companies. This is how they are trying to, um, you know, avoid shutting down or avoid laying off their employees right now. Right? If business slows down, is by reducing your hours, reducing your pay, reducing your duties and responsibilities. So, you know, those are fairly common changes, but I see it particularly a lot right now. Uh, And when I am talking about hours of work, when I'm talking about pay, duties, um, you know, work location, that is what's considered an essential term of your employment, right? Right. Essential being that it's sort of like a critical component of why you were originally hired. And your employer cannot, okay, cannot, it doesn't matter what's going on in the universe, it doesn't matter that there's a global pandemic, they cannot make significant changes to the terms of your employment unless you agree to these changes by way of an employment agreement or of course you agree to accept the change when it's presented and and that i mean that's key that's why you need an employment lawyer in situations like this because if you just as you said john at the beginning silence is acceptance if you work in the new role or in the new location for too long then eventually you're going to be deemed to have agreed to that change yes and there's nothing else that can be done at that point you're going to be stuck with it if your employer changes the terms of your employment and you're not okay with it right then that change can constitute a constructive termination of your employment which essentially entitles you to resign and seek severance as though you've been explicitly terminated. Um, in situations that we're dealing with right now where you've got companies that are trying to make these temporary changes in order to stay afloat, if you are willing to do that, if you are an employee who says, okay, like I'm not fully on board for this, but if you're only saying you're gonna reduce my hours for the next six weeks, that's great, I, I can do that. Put it in writing, please yes. put it in writing. Right? Yeah. Write to your employer and say, you know, okay, I will agree to this, but only because extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures and you have indicated to me that this is temporary. And so I understand that on X date, we are going to be reverting back to normal, right? You want to make sure that the scope of your agreement is clearly in writing and that it's clearly temporary. Um, Otherwise that can impact your severance, that can impact what your employer can do in the future. And so it's just, it's, it's critical 
um, to get uh, employment law advice in these types of situations so that you don't find yourself having agreed to something that you can't do anything about six months down the line. Let's take a short break. Victor, I see you there. Stand by, my friend. We'll get to your phone call as soon as we come back, so hang on. And for you as well, still got some time, 604-280-9898 is the number. The email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll rock on. More of it coming up. Employment Law Show. This is CKNW. And welcome back. It is 445. Yeah, Employment Law Show. Liam Moody is taking your phone call. 604-280-9898 is the way to make that happen. Victor, as uh, promised, you're back. You're on. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. Um, I'm an employer. I've taken a course on the Minimum Standards Act. Now, my hmm. daughter is a paramedic and doesn't seem that the rules apply to her. She works off 14, 17-hour days, gets no overtime. Um, and basically just left to take care of themselves, not not raise any voices. I thought that a collective agreement was overruled by the Minimum Standards Act. Is Am I mistaken? Is, sorry, so she's unionized as a paramedic? Oh, yeah, their paramedics are union, yeah. Yeah, but, so the, the... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, but I, I, I thought that a Minimum Standards Act... So working over a uh, eight-hour day or a twelve-hour day, whatever would be uh, slated in the agreement. But I thought that the Minimum Standards Act actually uh, overruled the uh, collective agreement. No, so the Employment Standards Act only expressly applies to people who are in a non-unionized setting, who are employees, so they're not contractors, and who are non-unionized. The The Employment Standards Act is, is essentially meant to stand in for a collective bargaining agreement for people who don't have the benefit of a union. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Victor. Appreciate the call. You want to uh, follow up with more uh, questions uh, for Leah on the uh, the other side? No problem. You could do that. 604-283-3123. Going to get back to a couple more of these. That's at times you'd really need to call an employment lawyer like Leah. That is your employer, uh, your employer rather, won't let you come back from a disability leave. Come on. Yeah, I know. And John, I just dealt with the situation that just sort of floored me. And I was so glad that this woman had sought my advice when she did, you know, she uh, wasn't in a situation where they weren't expressly saying you can't come back from disability yet. But like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, she just had this feeling that something wasn't right. And so she got me involved. I didn't get involved explicitly, right? As far as the employer knew, I, she didn't have a lawyer at all. She just checked in with me um, as things progressed. uh, And as you know, she needed to draft communication to the employer and I just sort of gave her advice as we went and uh, you know because of that we now have this this chain of communication that really supports her position um, in this claim that we are now bringing because at the end of the day when she responded to ask a couple of very normal questions in the context of somebody who wants to come back from a disability leave their employer, her employer responded by saying, actually, you know what? You're terminated. We're going to take the position that your employment was frustrated. Wow. So we don't owe you anything. Nice. I, yeah. Right. I mean, I couldn't, my jaw was on the floor when I saw this, like what this company clearly wasn't getting their own legal advice because that to me is just, is awful. But the greatest part about that is that because she had gotten my advice 
months before and I had been coaching her and things to say, we have these beautiful emails that I can't wait to put in front of a judge <laughs> that just that just show, you know, that she was willing to come to work, she was able to come to work and it was always her intention to come to work. So this employer is going to have a brutal time proving that there was a frustration issue here. So on the whole, I mean, this is this can be a very complicated issue, which again is a reason why you need an employment lawyer in this situation. You know, we often see an employer will go off on a leave of absence due to medical issues, and when they try to come back, the employer can even just make it difficult because they found someone else to replace that employee in the interim. And they're entitled to do that, right? The work needs to be done. They don't need to shut down the business, but room still needs to be made for that employee who is coming back when they're able to come back. Yeah. And that's so critical. I think a lot of people say, oh, well, if you don't have, you know, gra a graduated return to work for me, then, okay, I'll just stay on leave. But that's not how it works. When you are willing and able to work, when you have medical clearance to return to work, your employer has what's known as a duty to accommodate you, which can and often does mean, you know, giving you reduced hours, making sure that you're only lifting 20 pounds, any of, any of that good stuff. So, if you are on disability leave, if you're asking your employer to accommodate medical restrictions in any kind of return to work, call me, call a lawyer. It's a complicated area of law. It's very fact specific. And like with this woman that I was just chatting about, uh, it can really uh, save your bacon um, if the employer gets terrible advice and decides yeah. to, uh, to fire you anyway. Still got some time for that uh, phone call. 604-280-9898 is the way to go. You need an employment lawyer when? Oh, you're not getting paid overtime. Yeah, and, and I would say, so, I mean, I, this is part of the list of when you need an employment lawyer, but you, you probably actually don't actually need an employment lawyer for this because you can bring your own claim to the employment standards branch. But right. I do think that you need an employment lawyer to help you understand when you are entitled to overtime and when you're not. Because a lot of employers don't understand overtime and a lot of employees don't understand overtime. And a lawyer can help you to understand what it is you're entitled to or for an employer what your obligations are. Right? A lot of employers don't know that it's time and a half. Um, and it's a tricky situation for a lot of employees because usually they want to be paid their overtime but they want to be they want to remain employed. So uh, a lawyer can assist you in recovering overtime. You know, maybe as I just sort of indicated, a lawyer can sort of sit in the background, be a little bit of an armchair quarterback uh, in encouraging you how to draft an email, how to ask for what you want, just to sort of give you that information and that knowledge to know what it is that you're entitled to uh, and to ensure that it's done uh, professionally. Where it can get really tricky and I see this a lot as well, is if you've agreed to receive loo days, right? Or if you've agreed that you don't qualify for overtime unless right. you seek consent to work those overtime hours. Or if you're technically exempt from overtime, like if you're a manager. But barring something like that, you know, you should contact a lawyer and we can assist you in, you know, at least informing you as to what your rights are and potentially recovering those hours that you earned. And it's important to keep that in mind, too, that this is these are earned wages. Um, you know, not pursuing your overtime is essentially like working for free. Finally, you need an employment lawyer when you're being harassed. It's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. And again, this is one that touches on the topic um, you know, that we covered sort of at the beginning of the hour and that we've touched on throughout, which is that you often, I think, need an employment lawyer as somebody who is just in your corner as things are progressing. And that is particularly true with harassment. Um, you know, too many people come to me at the 
you know, point where they can't take it anymore. And they want to know, Leah, can I claim a constructive termination because I'm being harassed in the workplace? In those cases, most of the time, my answer is notionally yes, right? You can claim a constructive termination if you've been harassed, but where's your paperwork? Where are the formal complaints? Where's all of this stuff in writing? And if you had contacted me way back when this first started, I would have coached you on how to paper your file, on how to start getting your ducks in a row so as to ensure that once it, once it reached that threshold of being too much, you can then say, you know, okay, we're just going to move to the constructive termination piece instead of having to take all of these steps when you don't even want to show up at work anymore or when your doctor has said you actually need to be on a medical leave now because the harassment is so bad and it's causing you all of this stress and anxiety. You know, I, I appreciate that it is always a difficult situation, right? And that's especially true when it's a supervisor. But that is precisely why you need someone in your corner. You know, some people can fear that reporting it will hurt their career. Um, but you know, that's also not true. Um, well, I guess I, I should say it can, right? There are employers out there who do take reprisal actions against you, but that is very illegal. Um, and employers who do that are going to be in a situation where they're going to owe you a lot more money in situations like that. So under WorkSafe BC, there's something known as a prohibited action complaint. And what that means is that if you raise an issue um, regarding workplace safety, and that can be bullying and harassment, and then you're punished for it. You know, either you're, it can be anything from pass over for promotion or, right. de or demoted, or even just like, you know, everyone goes for lunch and you're not invited for the first time, right? You're, you start being iced out. That is, that's what's known as a prohibited action under WorkSafe regulation, and that is illegal, and you can bring a complaint to WorkSafe BC for an employer who's doing that. So, you know, if you want the situation rectified, we can help you deal with the high-level management of the company and ensure that it stops. And then hopefully you can just move forward in your job uh, without dealing with the harassment. And, and if we can't do that, at least we can paper your file to get you to the point where you can claim constructive dismissal when it matters um, and not, you know, uh, not when it's too late. Let's wrap it up with a quick email. Stay on the medical leave thing. Kim writes in and said, guys, my employer just let me go a week after I came back from a medical leave. I just found out an ad online where they've posted for a replacement for me. Can they do this? Yeah, so th that's a that's a really good one because, you know, I have a lot of people call in and, and, and ask, you know, they let me go without cause, but they just posted it for a replacement. And in and of itself, you know, that's that's fine. But the fact that, um, Kim just came back from a medical leave is, you know, makes me wonder. And I'd be really interested to know in this situation, the reason they provided as to why this individual was let go. You know, if they said it was because of a lack of work, then it's obviously quite clear that they let you go because of a medical disability. Um, you know, and of course, if they let you go uh, because you were on disability and they're looking to hire somebody to replace you, then that is discrimination under the Human Rights Code. Um, and that is something that you can recover. You know, even if they didn't provide a reason, the timing alone makes it look like the medical leave was at least part of the reason why they terminated employment. And that's still a violation of your rights under the Human Rights Code. So um, in addition to termination pay, you can also recover human rights damages. And I would highly recommend that Kim give me a call and we can discuss how to recover a fair settlement in this situation. 
All right, pal, we are done for another afternoon. Nicely done. You want to reach out now that we are through to get a hold of Leah? Do so, if only for a, a cool chat. Uh, do it. Uh, get some information, right? Get down the right road. Don't make any mistakes. 604-283-3123 is the phone number anytime. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address you can use. And always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website is there 24-7, absolutely free and anonymous. There's a wealth of employment law knowledge on the website, including wrapped up in there is a severance pay calculator and even a section on disability law because there's a lot of intertwine between being let go with your employer and being on disability. So make sure you check that out if you need so. And there is a contact button at the top right if you want to carry on from there. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Appreciate your calls and your emails. We'll catch you next time on the show, Employment Law Show, CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.